Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Good morning. Uh, my name's Joy, if I haven't met you yet. I'm one of the pastor, pastoral team, I guess, here. Uh, and I want to start with something fun this morning. Have you ever played the would you rather question game? Okay, so I've got some would you rathers. You can just ponder. So would you rather have a time machine or a teleporter? Teleporter. I'm with you. I would do teleporter. Okay, would you rather always hit every red light for the rest of your life or always get slow internet after the sun goes down? <laughs> They're getting trickier. Yeah. Okay, this one's funny. Would you rather fight 10 duck-sized elephants or one elephant-sized duck? This one is just so bizarre. Hilarious. I think I'd do the duck-sized elephants. Would you rather give up social media or eat the same dinner every day for the rest of your life? Yeah, I actually would as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we play this game as a family, and it's really fun to hear our kids' um, like rationalizations of how they prioritize. It's interesting to hear the thoughts. But here's an, one more. Would you rather have unlimited time or unlimited money? Yeah. Okay, here's trickier. Would you rather have unlimited time but a black hole of money? You can't earn it. You can't use it. You can't do anything with it. Or unlimited money, but no time. Like you have days, days to live. That makes it trickier, doesn't it? If you had to pick one or the other, that's a challenging choice to make. But I have good news. That's not an actual decision you have to make. Thank God. But, and God doesn't just give us one or the other. As Monica talked about last week, God is a generous God. He gives us beautiful colors and delicious food just to bless us. God is a generous God. And he, as it says in Acts 17, he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God is a giver and he is a source of all things good. And he created us with the skills and abilities that we have that helped us start the business or get the job. So the ability even that we have to make money comes from the abilities and giftings and skills that God has put in each one of us, the opportunities that we have. And so I'm wrapping up our series today, Overflow, how stewardship builds a bigger, shapes a bigger life. And this series has been about money and habits and... You know, we talk, we carve out time each year to talk about money because it is a big thing in our lives. And this concept of stewardship is very much woven throughout the whole Bible. And in the very beginning, the creator God gave humanity an entrustment. And this entrustment stands to this day that as stewards, and we're good stewards when we care for multiply, and use what God has given us in ways that honor and bring glory to him. And so through Christ, we become his people. We become his representatives on earth. And he wants us to be a conduit to bring his blessing to every area of our lives, to your workplaces. He wants you to be a blessing where you work, to be a blessing in your family. 
Um, I love this quote from the Symphony of Mission. It says, we have all been given an array of good things that we use for our own benefit, such as relationships and education, training, possessions, skills, and personality traits. However, the uniqueness of the kingdom is that we are called to view these things as raw materials of love and to repurpose them for the sake of others. So when I talk about stewardship, stewardship is really leveraging what we have for the purpose of the kingdom of God. It's leveraging whatever we have. The, every, um, everything that we might view as ours, like that example in that quote. This is about our whole lives, not just one area or another. This is not about your Sunday mornings, but every day. And we live as a good steward when we manage our whole lives. When we manage our abilities and our influence, our opportunities, our possessions, the environment, our health, our money, and our time, not just for ourselves, but living generously with all that we have, because this is the way God is towards us. And so I want to zero in and talk about two areas this morning that tend to be more challenging for the majority of our generation, um, and that's time and money. It is challenging because that defines a lot of what we spend our life on. And so, first of all, time. Jesus has called us to be his followers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are spiritual beings living, a physical, living in a physical world. This is not just about our Sunday morning spiritual lives, but about our everyday ordinary Okay, some interesting things about time. We have more tools to save time in our generation than in any period of history. Think about travel. We have planes and cars. Things that used to take months take hours. Chores, things like dishwasher, washer, dryer, thank the Lord for an Instapot, and uh, what is the fryer one? Um, air fryer. So many things to save time. We have apps with reminders and AI, take it or leave it, love it or hate it. It can save a bunch of time. But in our generation, we view time as a commodity. Time is money, right? But our generation is so time poor. We are busy, we are exhausted, we are maxed out and stressed. How did we get here? Because generally, our generation, looking in the mirror as well here, we use our time more frivolously than any other period of history. We do. We have unprecedented ways to waste time. Social media, streaming, endless fiction, addictive video games that are actually meant to like actually black hole your life, like never want to stop. Such a convicting quote from John Piper. He said, one of the greatest uses of social media will be to prove in the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. How painful is that quote? <sighs> yeah. So time is challenging for me too. This is an area of weakness in my life. I will be honest. And I am in no way trying to guilt or nag or shame you because I need the reminder as well. You know, we can, we can use our time 
We can waste our time, we can spend our time, we can invest our time. And there's so much wisdom in the scriptures that speak to how we live our lives. Because time is a stewardship and God wants us to be wise and healthy in this area of our lives. You know, I don't know how long each of us will have to live on this side of eternity. But I know I want to live my life, live my days well. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days so that we may truly live and achieve wisdom. You know, this is not about YOLO or FOMO. Those are both very time scarcity mindsets that are based on a this world only perspective. This is not about make the most of every minute because this is all you get. It's about make the most of every minute because everything we do today matters in eternity. And so teach us to number our days so that we don't waste our time pursuing things with no eternal value. What good is it for us to gain the whole world but lose our soul? What good is it? It's a waste of our time. And we can invest our time. We can, you know, put money or put time into our education, into our relationships. And whether you are a believer or not, there is wisdom in being intentional with our time that we can all learn from. But I want to talk to us as Christ followers this morning that we need a kingdom perspective on this valuable resource we have and have an eternal perspective on time that frees us to leverage the time we have for the kingdom of God. Without this time scarcity perspective, but utilizing the resources we have for the benefit of the kingdom of God and how we leverage the time that we have not squandering opportunities to share the gospel, stewarding the time that we have for eternal value. And I'm so thankful for our team and the leaders, like we've already thanked you guys, but you have invested, you have leveraged your time this weekend for eternal value. And there is a reward that God gives for people when we build his kingdom with our lives. And so there are some rhythms that I believe God has given us for stewarding our time well to orient us to the Holy Spirit and remember that his purpose is for our everyday ordinary lives. And there's habits, like, like scripture before phone, just taking some time to step out of the tyranny, the to-do list, the must, the, you know, all of the urgent things that happen every day that you need to do and stop. Step out of that tyranny of time and focus on God first. The habit of Sabbath, it's not to give you another thing you need to think about. It's to orient our weeks around the sacred vision of time to stop my work and my effort and rest and trust that God is our source of life and breath and everything. You know, really, when we get all work or all rest, both of those are out of sync and out of rhythm and will bring destruction to your life. If you are a workaholic or a lazy person, your life will be destroyed. We need rhythms of both. It's and, not or. We need work and rest. And this is a rhythm that God invites us into so that we can be people of purpose and generosity in how we manage our time. Because when we are hard workers and good resters, we have the energy for those unexpected opportunities that God brings our way. And even as Mike mentioned, we're in Lent right now. And this is a, a, a season of the year that God invites us into a sacred season, season to prepare our hearts for Easter. And it's our yearly reminder 
to orient ourselves around the bigger story, to do with less, to push back against the things of our world that says you just need more and more and more and allow our faith and our hope and our anticipation of Jesus coming again to affect our decisions and our habits. Now, I'll say this is not about legalistically monitoring every moment and never having downtime. It's about being faithful stewards in your season. And the seasons of parenting and the seasons of being a teenager and the seasons of empty nesting, they're all different seasons. But we can ask God, what do I need to get right in this season? I remember early in our parenting journey when we had little kids. I have a really creative husband, if you haven't met JD. He used to write dinner theaters and direct and produce them, spent thousands of hours investing into that creative endeavor, which was a blessing um, to the church, and I loved that about him. But when we had small children, I asked him to pause his dream of writing um, because I needed him to be present with our kids. And I, he, he did that. He paused his dream and put his dream on the back burner, and he is a present dad. He is a partner as a spouse, and I'm so grateful that he received my wishes. I don't know, but because at the right time, man, he'll let him tell the story sometime, but God brought his dream of writing back to life, and our kids are older now, and And he has the time to invest into that again, and I'm so grateful. But we need to accept the sovereign limits on our time that each season brings. Sometimes we can think, if I don't do this now, I'll never get the chance. But I really believe when we can just have a posture that, God, I want to honor you in this season, that he will bring the dreams to life in the right timing. You know, teens, I want to talk to you for a second. When I was a teenager, somebody encouraged me to tithe my teen years, which is a weird concept, but basically to dedicate my teen years to God. And I have so many core memories of being at conferences like you guys were at, where I encountered the presence of God. But I want to encourage you, you have a season of time right now where you have less demands on your time. You might feel busy, but look at your screen time. I'll say that with a smile and lots of love. But God has a plan for your life. And you can spend this season of your time pursuing him, investing in his kingdom, learning and growing and building that firm foundation for your life. I am so grateful for those years that I had. I have so many core memories because of those dedicated time that I spent to pursuing God and building his kingdom but this is for all of us. I believe God doesn't invite us into a a life lived for his kingdom to exhaust you. He doesn't do it to burn you out, but to invite you into his life because you will increase in your capacity for love and good works. And so Jesus, how did he leverage his time? This is Jesus, who was God, stepped out of eternity and into the limits of time. And It's so interesting to me that 30 of his 33 years, 90% of God's life on earth was spent in total obscurity. It's unknown. He was just growing, building tables, helping his father with the carpentry business, 
and not in a rush. We kind of get this sense when he's starting his ministry years, he wasn't in a rush. He was just confident in God's timing and his purpose for his life. We get this sense that Jesus was just unstressed and secure, knowing that the time he had, he was going to use it well. He prioritized prayer, and he prioritized people. And Jesus was so interruptible. It's funny, like, when you read the miracle stories, like, he was on his way to heal somebody, gets interrupted, and then he's interrupted again, and Jesus is just like, let the kids come. Like, I'm, of course I'm going to stop out of my way and heal you. He just had this ease about him. It's a question for all of us to consider. Where would I be if Jesus to- chose to steward his resources as I am stewarding mine? You know, the gospel speaks to every area of our lives, every area of our life. And money, as Monica talked about last week, it is a major area of competition for our hearts, for God. And this is a major area of our life. And money is another area where God has called us to be good stewards. And whether you are a believer or not, there's wisdom in being intentional with your money. You know, we can waste our money. Anyone else bought something from an ad and it was just a complete waste of money? Oh, so stupid. You feel terrible. But there are endless ways to spend money. We vote with our dollars. So there's wisdom in how, thinking through how we spend our money. You know, we can save and invest. It's so wise. So grateful that somebody taught me about compound interest when I was young enough to opt you know, capitalize on that. You know, but as believers, I believe God wants us to have a kingdom perspective that everything is from him, that we have a role and a responsibility to leverage what we have, to utilize whatever we have, the resources for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And this is about having a vision for making an eternal impact through our generosity. You know, even as I'm just talking about generosity, you might think, I'm in debt, I, this doesn't apply to me. I just renewed my mortgage and our, our payments jumped so much. You must be talking to somebody else. But generosity is not a practice for those who have excess. It is for all of us, whether we have little or lots. And I'm so grateful for those of us who give and are so faithful. But I want to encourage all. Um, use Paul's words from 2 Corinthians to just encourage us. He said, I will say this to encourage your generosity. The one who plants little harvests little, and the one who plants plenty harvests plenty. Whatever you plant, there's a harvest. And giving grows out of the heart. Otherwise, you've reluctantly grumbled yes because you felt you had to, or because you couldn't say no. But this is not the way God wants it. For we know God loves a cheerful giver. I'll just say, as I'm talking about money, I am not trying to guilt you into giving. If you don't want to give, I just think in this verse, it's like God doesn't want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion. When we give out of guilt, our giving is sporadic and reactive. Like, how much do I have to give to feel better about myself? And I am not asking you to tip God or to add $2 at the grocery store, which is a terrible giving strategy, by the way. But giving grows out of the heart. The hearts that have been changed by God's grace give. The hearts that have been changed by God's grace, we're givers. And uh, he goes on to say, God is ready to overwhelm you with more blessings than you could ever imagine so that you will always be taken care of in every way. You'll have your needs met and you'll have more than enough to share. 
Remember what it is written about the one who trusts in the Lord. He scattered abroad, he gave freely to the poor, his righteousness endures throughout the ages. What we do endures when we give to the kingdom. This same one who has put seed in the hands of the sower and brought bread to fill our stomachs will provide and multiply the resources you invest and produce an abundant harvest from your righteous actions. I just love it how he says that giving flows from the heart. You know, when we give this way, it is strategic and proactive. We don't let money tell us when we can prioritize God and his kingdom. I want to encourage you to ask, how can I leverage what I have for the gospel in my world? You know, money has a great capacity to make a difference, to practically show love to others, to meet a need, to build God's kingdom. And it, the investment into God's kingdom produces an abundant harvest. So God doesn't invite you to give to his kingdom to deplete you. He invites us to partner with him because it will bring an increase to our lives and, a pro and produce a harvest. You know, the last couple of weeks have, uh, we've been talking about giving and very practically just how do we do it is we start with tithing as Mike talked a couple weeks ago. This is a life-changing principle that we want for you. It is amazing to see how God works when we put him first. But I want to encourage you to have a vision for generosity. I will say, teens, don't wait till you have, a, like when you're an adult to start this. If you make 50 bucks babysitting and you think your $5 doesn't make a difference. I will say, it is easier to start small. But just like, you, just like investing early has compound interest, I actually believe that our generosity as kids and teens, you're making an investment in God's kingdom that has compound interest. That when we give, when it's just a little bit, it makes such a huge impact. And I know we teach our kids to give. And, um, and it is, it's a practice. It's a, something we learn. If you're already tithing, it's kind of the basics. But I want to encourage you, be strategic in your giving. Have a plan to respond to the needs that you see. Give in secret. It's so fun to be part of blessing somebody and them not know that it's you. And our goal is to give like Jesus. And Jesus gave sacrificially, as Mike said earlier today. And there's seasons of giving sacrificially when you say no to the things that you want so that he can provide for the needs of others. I want to ask you today, what do your finances reveal about your trust in God? You know, as I wrap up, I just want to ask us to consider what would happen in our church if every single one of us recognized God's provision and joyfully and willingly embraced a new perspective on stewardship and took some clear steps towards generosity. It would enable us to say yes to a lot of opportunities as a church that I believe he wants us to be able to say yes to. And generous, when we're generous with our time and money, okay, here's a question. If we ask God, would you rather have my time or my money? I believe that God wants all of us. He wants our whole lives. 
Because we are a package deal. We don't have segments of our life that is some is spiritual, some is secular, some is practical. We have all of us. And he wants our whole hearts. It's not a barter system. God, I'll give you a little bit here, but not there. He wants our whole life. Not because God is greedy, but because he knows that these habits will shape us into his people. And bring such goodness to our lives and through our lives. Proverbs 11:24 says the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Those who bless others are abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. You know my prayer even just as I've been preparing this message my prayer is that this message would challenge us. It would bring conviction where we have maybe not prioritized God's kingdom but that we wouldn't there's no condemnation. I really am not trying to guilt anybody into anything, but to recognize that our hearts are shaped by the love of God, that his grace, it changes all the practical stuff too. It's not just about our personal obedience and stewardship though. This is about how we, as a people, as a body of Christ that is gathered in Leduc, that is gathered online, you know, wherever we are, how can we be the people of God? How can we be obedient and good stewards together? It's about a partnership. And we want to create a culture of generosity in our church. Yes, through tithing. Yes, through giving our time and serving. Giving our energy and our love and our finances so that the church can become a radical example of sacrifice and self-giving to our world around us. And I recognize that as I talk about time and money, I can bring up some real regrets. Maybe wasted time, mistakes with money, missed opportunity. No, the truth is we can't time ta travel, but we know the author of time. And he can redeem and restore. I love the prophecy in Joel where it talks about God restoring the years that the locusts have eaten, the things that have been wasted, the things that have been lost. God can restore it. And if that's an area where you're really struggling with some regret, I want to encourage you to come up and pray with our team uh, after the service. We would just love to pray for you. And I want to invite us. To, we're going to do something different today. Would you stand with me? I'm going to put up this prayer. It's a liturgical prayer of generosity and stewardship. And I want to invite you to pray with me. Now, we're I'm not gonna like hold a spotlight on to those who aren't praying. Please don't feel awkward to just, you know, read along and not read it out loud or just consider the words, that's okay. But if you if you feel that your heart has been changed by the grace of the message of the gospel, I wanna encourage you to pray this with me. Let's pray together. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus, to spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes out the word whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of this world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. 
I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I'm determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous and it is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to the world. You know, as I just speak about the generosity of our God, sorry. The most extravagant display that God ever demonstrated to show his abundant generosity is giving his son. And Jesus, and he died and broke the power of sin and death and the grave when he rose again. He gave us his grace and his forgiveness. And when we put our hope and our faith in him and what he has accomplished, we are completely forgiven. And that divine exchange happens where we exchange our worthlessness, our sin, our mistakes, our regrets, and we exchange it for his goodness and his mercy and his kindness. You know, Jesus wasn't giving out of guilt or coercion. It wasn't because he had to, but he's like, I get to give my life. I'm giving it sacrificially. He gave his all. And when we receive the gift of his grace, he makes that exchange and he fills our life with a security that comes from him that far exceeds the security that could ever come from a dollar in a bank. You know, more than that, he brings us into his abundance and places purpose on our life to live it beyond for ourselves, to live it, to build his kingdom, to bring us into his story. We become his representatives on earth. And I believe that he wants to entrust us to be a conduit to bless others. And if you're here, you're not a believer, in a moment we're going to pray together. And this prayer is a, is a prayer saying yes to Jesus, yes to the gift of his life, receiving the gift of his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and his purpose. I want to invite you to pray with us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for creating me, for giving me life and breath and everything. Thank you for the gift of your son. Jesus, thank you for giving your life, beating death. And I want to make that exchange. Would you take my life? Would you give me yours? Would you make me brand new? Jesus, you are Lord, and I put my trust in you. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.